It might seem like a bit of a novelty at this point, but becoming a champ champ in MMA, it's still a pretty exclusive club. Obviously, Conor McGregor was the first to do it in the UFC, Dan Henderson was a couple of years before that in Pride, and since then there's been a few more fighters that have managed to shoulder two world titles at the same time. But there's been a few other champions who tried to go beyond the beaches of mortality and for one reason or another fell short. I'm Balian from MMA On Point and this is 10 champions that failed to become champ champ. Number 10, Max Holloway. Now the reason Max is number 10 here is because he was technically going for an interim title when going for champ champ status, but considering he was also an official champion, we included him here anyway. After Conor McGregor's vacation to the lightweight division, 145 pounds in the UFC was left in a bit of limbo. Max was on a nine fight win streak and had been clearing out the division, so when an interim title was created, he got his shot and so did Anthony Pettis. He went into Hurricane Holloway mode and blew through Showtime, and then he won the real belt six months later when he TKO'd Jose Aldo. That's when Tony fell out against Habib at the last moment at UFC 223 and Max Holloway was chosen to replace him and get his first chance to become a double champ. But he had accepted the fight on just six days notice and whilst cutting the weight, the doctors came in and declared him medically unfit to compete. So Max was out, but he'd get a second chance to step in and be the janitor of the lightweight division. After Habib and Connor had their showdown at UFC 229, Habib eagle dived out of the cage and landed on a big fat nine month suspension. Oh, and a 500,000 dollar fine. But the division couldn't wait and so an interim title fight was created. Dustin Poirier was booked against Max Holloway at UFC 236 and as Max was still the featherweight champion, a win would see him hold two belts simultaneously and become a champ champ. And this time around, he did step into the cage. The diamond and the blessed express had a back and forth war like two immovable objects wailing on each other. It was Poirier's power that became the X factor and he picked up interim gold. Holloway's champ champ dreams were dead in the water. Still, Max's career isn't over yet. Number 9. Douglas Lima you might not know, but Bellator has been around for 14 years now, and Douglas Lima has been with the promotion for 11 of them. And in that time, he's finished 10 opponents, pretty violently, I'll add, and he's won the welterweight title on three separate occasions. That basically makes him the John McClane of the Bellator welterweight division, doesn't it? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Wait, they didn't make any more movies after Die Hard 3, did they? No, I don't think so. Lima won the belt for the first time after Ben Askren vacated the welterweight title and headed to Asia. Then after he lost the title in 2015 to Andre, Andre Koreshkov, he took it back just one year later in the rematch. He and new UFC arrival Rory McDonald had a close contest, but the Canadian managed to outgrapple Douglas late, but then he powered back in 2019 to win the Bellator Grand Prix and take back the strap from the Red King. Whew. Basically, the man came back more times than the T-1000. I'll be back. But three titles wasn't enough for the Phenom. He wanted more. And I want pound for pound list, and I think a win over Musashi will definitely get me over there, you know. So from there, he went on to challenge Gegard Musashi for the vacant middleweight title at Bellator 250, baby. They fought in an empty arena, pandemic style, and although they were fairly even on the feet, Gegard was, of course, the bigger man, and he was basically able to impose his will on Lima. He pushed forward the whole time and took a unanimous decision. So Lima didn't get to hold two titles, but he still got at least three of them at home anyway. Number eight, Vandalay Silva. There were only ever two middleweight champions in Pride history, Vandalay Silva and the man that beat him, Dan Henderson. Dan reigned as champion for just 196 days, the other 2,000 of them were all Vandalay Silva. Outside of a split decision loss to Ricardo Arona and a one-off heavyweight fight with Mark Hunt, he was basically left unchallenged. So then, what could possibly be next? Well, considering Fedor Emelianenko had pulled out of the 2006 Pride Openweight Grand Prix with championship honours at stake, Vandalay saw his opportunity to become a champ champ. He 
His first opponent was old Ironhead Kazuyuki Fujita. No problem, Vandalay hit him with more soccer kicks than an FA Cup final, giving Vandy the honor of being the first man to ever stop him. But that's when Vandalay met his old Croatian friend Mirko Krokop in the next round. They'd fought four years previously when Mirko was just a Padawan in MMA, but since then he'd sent the souls of 12 other men to the cemetery and was hungry to claim his own first world title. And wouldn't you know it, he flatlined the middleweight champion with his soul-rendering left leg and Vandalay's chances of being a champ champ unfortunately left along with it. What a legend for stepping up though. Number 7. Martin Nguyen Okay, so we've established being a double champ is nice and all that, and possibly will get you a fight with the highest earning boxer of all time, but honestly, what's better than two titles? Yes, three, exactly what I was thinking, and that's exactly what Martin Ewan figured as well. If you don't know anything about Martin, he used to be a rugby player back in Sydney before injuries forced him to quit the sport. He joined one in 2014 after his third pro fight, and after winning his debut, lost by rear naked choke just 40 seconds into round one against Marat Gafruov. But then, over the next two years, he went on an absolute tear, winning four fights in a row, all by finish in the first round before rematching Gafruov for the title. He looped in one of his Chuck Liddell-style overhands and claimed the featherweight belt. One then promoted their first ever champion v champion super fight between Martin and Edward Foliang. He was the current lightweight champion. It made it to the second round where once again, like the bad plot twist you can always see coming, Martin timed a massive right hand, this time as Edward was spinning, and he got to hold up two title belts. But the story doesn't end there. Martin went straight for a third belt in his next fight as he dropped down to bantamweight, technically 145 pounds though, as one's weight classes are slightly different, and he challenged Bibiano Fernandez to be the first man in MMA history to hold three world titles in a major promotion at the same time. Martin used his length and did a great job kicking on the outside, but kept hunting for that one-hitter quitter and just couldn't find it. Bibiano kept pressing forward, it went to the judges, and he got the win. Well, while that makes me sadder than Jesse Pinkman on a bad day, it just goes to show how good Bibiano is, and being a double champ is still one heck of an achievement. Number 6. Tomas Narkun Meanwhile, in Central Europe, Polish MMA promotion KSW has slowly been on the rise and along with it, several legendary fighters. You might know names like Roberto Robocop Soldic, the current welterweight and middleweight champ champ, or the heavyweight champion Phil De Fries, the former UFC fighter who went to KSW and has now won nine fights in a row and defended his belt six times. Heck, you might even know the ring announcer because holy shit is that guy amazing. Feel the but another name you might not have heard of is Tomas Narkun. He's a training partner of Gegard Mousasi, and like him, he's pretty damn good everywhere, and he's super technical for a 205er. He's been fighting in KSW as far back as 2014, and after just one year, he won the light heavyweight championship. Then defended it three times before being matched up in a super fight in 2018 against another KSW champion and legend, Mamed Kalidov. Kalidov would have actually been on this list, but he had to vacate the title to go up and fight Narkun, which which meant that neither man had the opportunity to be a champ champ in this one. It was a historic back and forth battle that Narkun eventually won with a triangle choke in the third round. They even rematched, but after Narkun won that one as well, well, he had two choices. Go back and defend the light heavyweight title or go up a weight class and this time actually fight for a second belt. The heavyweight champion Phil De Fries had just defended his title in Wembley Arena, but accepted the challenge and they met at KSW 47 X Warriors, which I think is KSW's answer to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Universe. Tomas had a chance to become a champ champ, but you already know he didn't win. Did pull Phil's pants down though. Way unlucky, mate. Anyway, it was a grueling fight and Phil won a unanimous decision and is still defending his title. Number five, Brandon Vera. 
When Brandon Vera burst onto the UFC stage, he was touted as the next big thing. While his start was super promising with four straight wins, including one over former champ Frank Mir, that quickly went bust in two weight divisions where he'd actually go four and seven before ultimately getting the boot from the promotion. But just one month after his 2014 release, it was announced he'd signed with one championship and he made his debut against Igor Sabora, scoring a TKO in the first round. One year later, he was fighting Paul Cheng for the inaugural heavyweight title and he won with a vicious head kick in just 26 seconds. Finally, the truth was a world champion and he defended the belt across the next three years. That was until the Burmese Python Anla Ang who was the one middleweight and light heavyweight champ champ, ran out of opponents and they offered Brandon Vera the chance to become a double champion himself by coming down to light heavyweight and trying to claim the title. The two men met in Tokyo, Japan for what turned out to be one's 100th event. The crowd were roaring and it was an epic contest between two legends of the promotion, but halfway through the second round, Angla's pressure was just too much for Vera and after piling on the damage, he found the finish via TKO. The Burmese Python was still the champ champ and Vera would unfortunately lose his heavyweight title in his next fight as well. Number 4. Rory McDonald After a certain Canadian superstar put MMA on the map in the Great White North, he was number one! It was only natural for the country to look towards its next great title hope, and that came in the form of Rory McDonald. After five hard-fought years in the promotion, he finally got his chance at UFC Gold at 189 and a chance to realize the dream, but he just couldn't get it done against ruthless Robbie Lawler in an all-time classic. Then, after losing just one fight with Stephen Thompson, Rory suddenly made a change. And we had another great announcement, which was a standing Rory McDonald. And immediately, he wanted both the welterweight and middleweight titles. After easily winning his first fight, he took on the 170 champion Douglas Lima. It was a war, his leg was battered, but Rory persevered and was finally a world champion 13 years into his pro MMA journey. Then, wasting no time, Bellator announced a super fight between their two ex-UFC veterans, the middleweight champion Gegard Mousasi and new welterweight champ Rory McDonald. It was Rory's first time fighting at middleweight, and considering Gegard had already fought a bunch at 205, it was no surprise McDonald was outsized, and after a failed Imanari role in the second round, Gegard took top position and finished off the Canadian, and his chances of becoming a champ champ. Did he live up to GSP's legacy? No, but the water boy walked his own path. Number 3. TJ Dillashaw Seemingly out of nowhere, TJ Dillashaw went from fledgling tough alumni to one of the best strikers we'd ever seen in mixed martial arts. The main event of UFC 173 fell out, so the UFC bumped up bantamweight champion Henneborao versus the short-notice replacement TJ Dillashaw, and he only went and bloody won the title, didn't he? TJ then kept the belt for two years, before losing it in a close matchup against a long-returning Dominic Cruz. He then eventually won the title back, beating rival Cody Garbrandt, and with it firmly in Killershaw's hands, he started to look for bigger challenges. Like a champ champ fight with 125 pound champion Demetrius Johnson, who needed one more title defense to break the UFC record for most championship defenses, but TJ being the snake in the grass he is, well, he wanted to stop that, but the UFC and DJ couldn't agree on terms. Yeah, man, I was uh, was chasing that Demetrius Johnson fight, you know, it, it just didn't seem like it really wanted to work itself out. So I feel like the next biggest hyped up fight was, was Cody, you know? So instead of a second belt, he strapped up his gloves for a rematch with Cody and it ended up pretty much the same as the first one. Meanwhile, Henry Cejudo had dethroned Demetrius Johnson and the path was open once more to claim a second title. So TJ fought Cejudo and endured a grueling camp and weight cut only to be finished in 30 seconds by the flyweight champion. Two months later and it was announced he tested positive for EPO, but seeing how he's back in the title picture, I wouldn't put it past him to try this shit again, to be honest. I cheated. Number two, Israel Adesanya. We're only about four years into Izzy's UFC tenure and he already has one of the most storied careers in combat sports history. 
Of course, he was a very successful kickboxer who fought all over the world, and in eight years, he'd scored 11 straight KO slash TKOs before bursting onto the UFC scene in 2018. He then very quickly picked up seven more wins in the UFC, taking his MMA record to 18-0, and the night he KO'd Robert Whittaker, he claimed his eighth pro combat sports world title. Before too long, he was nearly lapping the division. He'd just earned a flawless victory over Paulo Costa, but it turned out there weren't many challengers lined up at 205 pounds either, so Izzy jumped up a weight class to challenge then-champion Jan Blachowicz in an attempt to become the fifth champ champ in UFC history. At UFC 259, Izzy weighed in at only 200 pounds or five below the limit, while of course Jan was much bigger and had clearly been cut in weight. Surprisingly though, Jan's defensive capabilities on the feet were enough to stop the last starbender from landing anything clean, and while he also utilized his bigger frame to impose a wrestling-heavy top game to shut out Adesanya. When the final horn sounded, it was a no-brainer. Jan had defended his new belt, and Israel was handed an upset loss along with no title. Number one, BJ Penn. At one point in time, BJ Penn was considered one of the greatest pound-for-pound -pound fighters ever while holding the lightweight title. At the same time, Georges St-Pierre had been defending the welterweight title. The two had fought three years earlier in an epic clash that ended in a split-decision win for GSP, but that was when neither of them were champions. So, what was arranged was the first UFC super fight, a true super fight between two of the pound-for-pound -pound best fighters on the planet. The UFC did a world tour to Canada and Hawaii. They even spent $2 million producing a three-part series called Prime time, but it didn't end up being as close as their first contest. BJ spent his rounds mostly on defense, and GSP pretty much controlled the entire fight, leading to a one-sided affair. Also, controversially, in between rounds, one of George's cornermen was seen rubbing down his body with Vaseline. BJ later filed a complaint. Dana was pissed. It became this whole thing that eventually led to a permanent rule change, but GSP was cleared of any wrongdoing. So, despite the fact that BJ did win the welterweight title in the past, he was just shy of being able to do it at the same time he was lightweight champ. Either way, pretty legendary move.